Hello and welcome back to irishracing.com's Jump To It show where we're going to review the weekend's action from Longchamp and around the world as well. Plenty of Irish runners and plenty of Irish interest. Uh, my name is Joe Ryan. I'll be hosting today. Vincent is on holiday once again. Um, well, as always, we are joined by Johnny Ward and Emma Nagel. This show is presented to you in association with Novibet. And Johnny, I want to get started with you as well. Just your initial reaction to the weekend's racing. Yeah, I guess I I think the almost the main talking point is about a horse who won who wasn't even running. Um, Joe, and we'll we'll get to that. Uh, obviously the arc was uh, took centre stage. It was uh, another another pretty midland result for Ireland in the arc. Um, and we'll get to that. But you know, Ace Impact winning, I suppose, um, and maintaining his unbeaten record. It's just interesting to to see the uh, the passage of time here in the sense that Galileo has now sired Frankel, who has sired Cracksman, who has sired a winner of the arc. So Galileo has four generations down or whatever now uh, into an arc winner, which is which is quite interesting in the sense of how quickly Frankel is kind of developing as a stallion. And um, it was a really good performance. Frankel having the the second in the arc as well in Westover um, and Ireland doing no better than fifth, but not a bad weekend for the Irish uh, in terms of the sort of the two-year-old races across, uh, across the water. But, um, you know, an arc result that I suppose was just underlines that we're not finding the race very easily of late. Yeah. And for you as well, Emma, any input on the arc especially? Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a great race. Um, the winner, very, very impressive. To be honest, I think there was kind of doubts about his stamina coming into the race, but um, he was able to show kind of a turn of foot that he showed over a shorter distance over the extended trip. So, yeah, very, very impressive winner. Um, kind of echo Johnny's thoughts there, kind of Ireland, maybe a bit middling disappoint, uh, middling kind of result in the arc again, I suppose. Continuous ran a nice race, I think, in fifth, um, kind of, was getting going, but he wasn't going the same kind of pace that Impact Ace Impact was finishing at. So, but um, I thought Opera Singer was probably a highlight of the of the weekend for me, though. We might talk about that a bit more, maybe. Well, that's it. I mean, yeah, that was, that was going to be my next point. Yeah, obviously the one win for Aiden O'Brien at Longchamp uh, yesterday. So yeah, maybe just take us through it, Emma. Your thoughts on that performance? Was it? Yeah, Opera Singer the worthy favourite in that race? Yeah, no, she she was brilliant. Now, in fairness, um, I think. Very, very impressive, and I think the comments afterwards from Aiden were would kind of fill you with more enthusiasm about her. I suppose I think she's cut quite short for the for the Guineas next year already, mm-hmm. and I think there's talk about her going to the Breeders' Cup as well. She's by Justify, obviously, so they'd be keen enough to go over there, and um, they're kind of horses that will improve with age as well. So she's very, very exciting. Um, another what could be a kind of star filly for Aiden O'Brien, and I think. Aidan mentioned that Ryan was smiling coming back in saying that he'd look forward to this day next year that she might go for the arc so you know kind of hearing comments like that from from those connections would um, make you kind of excited about a two-year-old filly like her yeah what do you make of that as well Johnny yes so it's cool to hear Emma there just uh, talking about the Breeders' Cups. I think, um, you know, if you're into your American sports and kind of having a bit of a party and, you know, you like the Super Bowl and all of that, the Breeders' Cup this year is going to be pretty cool because Opera Singer and City of Troy, I think, could even go there as well. I remember asking Aiden after he didn't run the Curra, could he go to uh, the Breeders' Cup? Because both of them are justify are by Justify. And um, the, 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 the fascinating thing about Opera Singer, if you look at her pedigree, um, 
she is by she's out of um Liscana, who is a good horse herself, but Liscana was sent to Warfront one, two, three, four, five, six times, right? So Warfront was basically a really, really disappointing stallion for Coolmore, but initially had carried a lot of promise and um this dam who went to Warfront produced hit of a bomb who'd be one of the best and almost reliable horses that Warfront would have had for Aiden anyway. Brave Anna, um, three and four pins, Border Town, uh, and even River Tiber. So actually produced five winners. So the, the pedigree is really strong because Justify is going to be a far more reliable stallion, I think, than Warfront. And for um, her to produce that performance in such an uncomplicated manner, absolutely bolted up. And, you know, we'll talk about you know, the influence of uh, Franklin, all that, and Cracksman now coming into um, another sphere as a stallion. But Justify's influence for Valley Doyle uh, and Coolmore looks like it's going to be very, very compelling uh, in, a, in a fascinating time for the operation in terms of the post-Galileo era, I suppose. But Opera Singer was really, really good. Well, that's what we want, isn't it? And we, we want these superstars to come through with their pedigree as well and actually make competitive racing. I mean, yeah, maybe just get your thoughts, Emma, as well, on just how competitive the racing was at Longchamp. Were you impressed by it? Obviously, not many, quite a lot of the favourites kind of delivered, um, but what was your take? Yeah, no, I mean, it was brilliant racing the whole way through, I thought. I, I watched most of it now. Um, and I think there was a kind of a, quite a strong team of Irish runners went over on Saturday um, did reasonably well without having massive success, like we kind of mentioned already. But yeah, very, very competitive racing. But I think the ARC is probably like the the international race. I think nearly every country wants to go there and win that. Maybe barring the Americans, they might say the Breeders' Cup. But mm. I think the ARC for me, for me in particular, is, you know, it's, it's the one, um, if you have a horse who can win the ARC, they're a superstar. So it kind of just adds kind of a new kind of aura to the to the whole weekends of racing but you know it was it was great racing and like when you see the Irish are going over and struggling like Aidan O'Brien is struggling to have a winner in Longchamp over the weekend you know it's that that just shows how competitive it is over there I think I think Joe Actually. as well the performance of continuous like you know there, there was so much of a um debate and dilemma all week about what the ground will be like um and I think Arc Day was like you know, it shows the way the weather has gone completely bananas. The weather was like, I think it was like 27 degrees or something in Paris yeah. on Arc Day. Um, it was like 36 to 37 degrees in Sevilla yesterday on the start of, of um, October. So the, the weather patterns around the Arc, like where you normally expect kind of soft ground, it just didn't, it didn't um, happen for continuous. And if it had to turn up anything like, if it ran to like last year or, or it was even like soft, genuinely soft ground, continuous could not only have finished a lot closer, but could actually have won. I don't think he ran a, um, I don't think he ran a bad race at all in the circumstances. And it'll be interesting to see if they keep him going next year. I, I don't know what the plans um, are for Ace Impact yet, but the, the the fact that they're already talking about retiring him is kind of sad. Like he's a six, he's a six runner, he's a six run horse so far. Um, it was obviously he's the best exponent of his stallion. But if 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 it's the sense that you're already going to go to stroll with him, it's kind of. I don't know. It's just disappointing if the flat game is like that to the extent that this horse is not going to stay in training after basically only running six times. Yeah, I think that has been happening a little bit though, hasn't it? I mean, some yeah horses kind of retiring early. You want to see them run as much as possible, I guess, from a punter's point of view as well. You want to see these horses in action rather than just get letting the owners get all the money from going to stud. Um, but yeah, Emma, as well, I just want to get your kind of take, maybe a couple of horses, maybe just to take out of the weekend that not necessarily won the races, but maybe you'll want to keep an eye on for future. Um, in Longchamp or just kind of all around Ireland as well? Just all over. 
Oh yeah, so I think th- yeah, there was a kind of a couple that caught my eye, um, maybe not so much in Longchamp, um, but well, Opera Singer, I suppose, is one I take out of there, obviously, but um, there was one, a winner in Killarney over the weekend, Solitary Man, I, he really impressed me, actually, he won for Enda Bulger, and Darrow Keefe rode him, I think it was, it was only his eighth start over hurdles, I think, he's after winning twice already, he was quite impressive behind Lucid Dreams, not impressive, but eye-catching behind Lucid, Lucid Dreams, I suppose, the time before that, and he came out and won very, very easily in Killarney. Um, he just looks like a horse who who really relished his step up to three miles the last two runs and he, he's really improved a lot for it I think um, and you know he's one that could be a real good staying chaser next year I think when he steps over fences so he's only a five-year-old by Champs Elysee so he'll be one I think if you're if you follow him you probably won't go too far away um, especially in, in, stay, in staying chases I think is probably where his future will be. Speaking of Kalani Emma as well, I think there was one story that kind of dominated from there this week as well, the mix-up. Can you just explain exactly what was going on with that story? What happened? Yeah, so trainer uh, John Fien, he had two runners declared to run in the day, um, Indigo 5 and Anno Mana. Anno Mana was running the 305 and Indigo 5 was in the last race. And I think um, he was interviewed by Racing TV afterwards. So he arrived to the track, I think, when the horses were already saddled. And... The horse ran. I think Anna Mana, I think she might have been favourite. She was pretty fancied anyway. She had a good, good track record at Clarny, which um, went out. But it was actually Indigo 5 who went out and ran in Anna Mana's race. Um, that was the mix-up. The Whoever saddled the horses got them wrong. Now, there, there was images of the horses. They are, they are quite similar in fairness. They both have kind of a similar star on their face and they're the same colour. Um, but I think after the race, they went down and were getting checked by the vet. And I think John said afterwards, he, he realised straight away that it was the wrong horses after running. So there was, um, obviously it was, the horse was disqualified. Um, but you'd, you'd feel sorry for, I think on course bookmakers probably got the worst of it because they probably had to pay out in boat winners, <laughs> which which wasn't easy. I'm not sure what the, I'm not sure what most online betting companies did. I think, I think a few paid out in boat as well, but yeah, it was tough for for the trainer and for the owners as well, I suppose, because, you know, the boat owners of boat horses kind of had a bit of a disappointing day. Because I think in the, uh, if I'm, I might be mistaken, but in England, the, obviously the horses are chipped, so they're just scanned before they go out. So, I mean, is that something that obviously Ireland have to look at and maybe bring in Does it to avoid that kind of thing happening in the future? Yeah, so in Ireland, you get scanned when you walk into the stable yard and they'll scan every horse just to make sure it's the right horse coming into the yard. But um, yeah, in England, I think they get scanned again then when they before they go into the parade ring, which, you know, it's probably not, not a bad idea. It's kind of a, a two second job that could really stop this happening. You know, it's happened a few times before. I think it happened to Jessica Harrington last summer or the summer before she was fined I think two or three thousand kind of similar to this again it happened to Aidan O'Brien I'm sure as well um, not too long ago so yeah it's, it's probably something that they should do they do it in the point to points in Ireland they still scan a horse before they go into the to the parade and like it's, it's a very very easy job it literally takes about five seconds to do so it's probably something that they they, they, they should look into really yeah it's obviously just a one-off mistake that shouldn't really happen and probably won't happen again uh, as long as I mean but yeah like you say they're looking at the images I mean I'm not necessarily an expert uh, per se but they do look very very similar so I can understand why it happened and um, obviously there's things that could be tidied up in terms of the process for future uh, Johnny as well uh, handing over to you maybe just get your couple of horses to pick out from the weekend's action yeah I'll give a, a horse that's that won a Killarney actually and um Obviously, it was a 
a very big weekend for Donna O'Brien, um, having a winner um, in, in Newmarket, who, again, is a good exponent of Caravaggio as, as a sire. But I thought Naval Force um, was very good at Killarney on the Saturday. Um, now, the, I suppose the proviso is the ground was quite testing, um, but he's a horse by uh, Churchill, and uh, I like Churchill as a stallion, and they tend to improve. And uh, I think he could be a nice middle-distance horse for next year. Just, Joe, on the... On the um, Mixed mixture of identity that I found this quite compelling, and it's it's something that um I think it's kind of rumbling on here because I had uh, I had bets on um I really fancied Ballpark in this race. I was actually at uh, Clonmel when Ballpark won, and I backed Ballpark each way three places and four places with um with an online bookmaker actually, and uh, I I figured out that evening that um. I, I checked what I checked the actual return and there was no rule four on it. And um it's just interesting to the mindset of punters here. So I, I genuinely was on my, my punt and WhatsApp group and I said, I'm gonna contact the bookmaker here because if I if I'm under if I'm uh, underpaid on a bet, I'm gonna contact the bookmaker. So in this instance, I've been overpaid on a bet. So I genuinely feel like I should contact the bookmaker and say, Well, listen, you've overpaid me here. It's not a lot of money, but you want to you should probably want to look into this but and i'm not trying to say like i'm great but i'm i try to be honest when with, with something like this because if you're if you're giving out about if you're giving out about a book the bookmaker i think bookmaker practices are need to be questioned at times but at the same time i, I i've often made the point that punters aren't don't exactly cover themselves in glory so i said well you know what, what's the story here but then the more i looked into it it was the, the particular bookmaker that i'm not going to name it was practically impossible to contact the bookmaker in the first place and then it was pointed out to me that if i did guess um, a deduction on my return that would be um, applied carte blanche um, across all the bets that were placed in the race so I'd basically be screwing over other punters so then I, I basically just pulled out of that idea altogether but I was at the track yesterday at Killarney and um, I thought this was really disappointing to be honest I spoke to uh, David, who works for AK Bets, AK we've had on the show, David Turl, he works for AK Bets. I spoke to Spike Murphy, um, and basically nobody came up to them who had had a bet and returned the money they were paid out on a horse who did not exist in the race. They, they literally backed a horse who was not the horse that they backed. So that bookmaker had to pay out, they had to pay out, say, and it's, it, it's not a lot of money, but say if it was like 1,400 quids, each or 1500 quid the bookmakers don't they're not making that much money now and neither of them and i'm not saying this is the case for for all other uh, bookmakers i think there were some exceptions but neither of them not, not one punter came up to pay back on a bet that clearly was a totally unfair bet because the bookmaker 100 had to basically reimburse um other people so like it was it was a case of the bookmaker paying out in a horse that didn't exist and the and the punters who had the bets with them lads didn't even come up even though like so I don't know where the fairness is you can't on the one on the one end say you know punters should should be able to get bets on and then when something like this happens you don't give your money back which was the obviously the fair thing to do maybe that's just me but I I thought it was poor form yeah maybe you're just too nice Johnny but yeah I I can understand the mentality of punters that obviously are trying to win a bit of money they get it and then they think it's theirs, then maybe they're not open and honest. But like you say, you do raise a good point. If, you know, there is going to be talk about how bookmakers should be accepting bets all over the yeah. place, then maybe the punters well, need to actually be honest as well in well, these well, kind of circumstances. Absolutely. So, so say, like, the, the online bookmaker that I had the bet with, nobody's going to cry for it. It's a multinational... Um, 
you know, it's it's a corporation, whatever it is. And it was pointed out to me that when you when you if you if you go to this bookmaker and tell if if what happens, it'll probably be somebody in Asia and mm. he or she won't even know what you're talking about. And I was like, fair enough, but I, I still think like if you're gonna give out when you're underpaid, you might as well make the point that you've been overpaid. But on the on the on track bookmakers, like I was at the, the the last race yesterday was basically it was a two horse race. I couldn't really see anything other than two horses win it. And at one point Bookmakers were going six to four each or two, right? They were really hard prices. Uh, the on-course bookmakers are really not making much money. They're generally struggling. And they were offering value to the punters. And they're generally, like, they, they still are, um, make something of an atmosphere, uh, even though there's, you know, a dying betting ring. Like they, they, They're part of the fabric of it. And they lay a bet and they'll do your, their best for you. And not a single person from those two bookmakers will give the money back. I, I don't see how punters can give out if you're going to behave like that. I do see your point, Johnny. Yeah, Emma, have you got a take on it as well? No, I, I'd, I'd agree with Johnny 100%. Um, you know, the on-course bookmakers, they're not, like, the majority of them aren't big, um, big multinational companies like you would bet with online. Like, they're kind of just people trying to make a living, I suppose. Um, I think, yeah, if, if you, it's it's a very, very strange situation. It doesn't happen o- an awful lot, but, yeah, I'd, I'd just echo Johnny's thoughts and that I, I would agree. You'd, you have to kind of um, own up to that, I think, when it happens, you know, you... you it's it's not easy for punters. I can see it's not easy for punters because you know, you're backing Anno Mana. You think you're backing Anno Mana who had a great chance to win and you think you back a winner, you're going away happy out and then you hear it over the speaker. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, but no, I, I would agree. I think you you should you should have to um you should you should be honest about it in a way. I suppose it's some people might see it differently, but you know you you aren't really after backing a winner. You it's kind of. It's a very strange situation, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd echo Johnny's thoughts on that. And it was unfortunate for Johnny Fien, Joe, because in theory, both horses would could well have won the way it worked out. Like mm. my horse, I really fancied my horse, and um, to be fair, she finished third, but she, she, she uh, I was like, geez, this horse have won, like it was mighty impressive. But in fairness, that horse obviously was in was in great nick, and. As much as Johnny Fien, apparently I spoke to Tom McLean and Johnny Fien was genuinely mortified that this happened. He was delayed and he was late. And, you know, I, I'm not even trying to blame stable staff here. We all make mistakes and things happen and the horses definitely did look alike. But maybe um, I, I tried to talk to the IHRB yesterday. I don't think there was really anyone available uh, at the course. So that, that was grand. And the IHRB... I have to point out here the winner all right was not called it was not called on track by the IH by by the IHRB so the winner all right was not called so the bookmakers in theory shouldn't have paid out but that's kind of just not what happens anymore but maybe going forward we should look into that um scanning going into the parade ring because it, this is just such a mess and say if a, a betting exchange now will pay out very quickly after a race and if I withdraw, say, onto PayPal from an online account, it happens very fast. This is an absolute mind, mind-blowing mess because the money that can quickly be moved around here and placed onto other bets very quickly, I think it was like 25 minutes, give or take, after race where the problem became apparent. Like, that's a long time. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting as well if we kind of opened the floor to the comments section and see if uh, how many people would have been honest and open and said, yeah, uh, you've overpaid me here, Mr. Bookmaker. Uh, here's some money back. I don't think many would. But uh, anyway, Johnny, I think uh, you do raise some very good points. And obviously, it should be interesting if this ever occurs in the future, how people deal with it. Maybe we can even get AK on the, the show as well, just to hear maybe the bookmaker side of things, how they would appreciate it maybe on a punter side. I, I got to say as well, like, just... just um. 
in case anyone thinks I'm some sort of, uh, you know, a Puritan or whatever. Like, I've had I've had bogey bets down the years myself. Like, I've been told, you know, this game, this football game, one team isn't going to be trying here, back the other. I've done that. I've backed. I remember getting thrown out of one bookmaker because of an anti-post market and I heard one runner wasn't running, so I backed another. I've had bogey bets, and I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm far from, um, uh, far from Jesus or anything like that, but I just thought, particularly with the on-course bookmakers here, I just think that you have that camaraderie, you have that relationship. I don't know, I did, I felt a bit unhappy about it anyway. <laughs> I think, yeah, it does make sense. If you've got that, like, kind of more long-term relationship with someone, then you can be open and honest. But maybe, I mean, if it's a first-time punter, let's say, I mean, they're not even going to know that there was a mistake necessarily. So they're going to take the winnings off. Possibly, yeah. And then yeah. go and enjoy it at the bar and, straight away. And, and, and actually, Spike said to me as well in relation to that, he, he felt that it wasn't a very regular crowd. There were a lot of kind of, like, almost like tourists there or people from mm. that, that weren't necessarily even Irish. And it was pointed out to me, it was pointed out, that some people did give their money back to other bookmakers and B, that there were a lot of kind of unfamiliar faces in the betting ring. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> okay, um, also we're going to move on, just briefly touch on some of the racing this week as well. I think, Johnny, you pointed out a couple of interesting angles for Galway. Yeah, like I suppose the the starting point is fair and illy. Um, I mean, the carousel of racing, Joe, at the minute, is, it's unbelievable. I mean... I, I, I have real reservations about the, the fixture list at the moment. It's probably good for me. I'll probably end up getting more work out of it. But there's so much racing now that I, I have to say I, I felt a bit um I felt a bit weird looking at a listed race uh, in Mallow last week where I think there was one trainer in the in the parade ring for the listed race. Now goffs were on and the sales were on, but you had a listed race where I think one trainer had actually turned up of all the trainers represented. And this is for a listed race. So if the trainers have are finding it too busy to go racing, um, you know, why why would you go why would you tell Punders to go? On that particular day there were thirty five minute gaps in an eight race flat card. four of the races were sprints and four of them were mile races. So it was a really, really hard sell to get anyone to go racing that day in particular but anyway the carousel goes on last week was incredibly busy keeps going this week and Farinilli switched to JP McManus Paul Byrne JP McManus link is, is just growing and growing and Farinilli um, starts her new connections in the uh, Mongi uh, communication steeplechase um, and you know we did have was kind of the return of the national hunt racing with the big racing at Gorn on Saturday um, but yeah Farinilli will will attract a bit of attention. He was brilliantly campaigned last year. I really think the thinking outside the box of the Mullins Burn team was fascinating with with regard to him. Um but yeah he would be the uh the, the star attraction at the Valley Brit track. And uh, yeah speaking of uh, the action at Goran Park as well, Emma did you take anything from that meeting as well? Yeah, no, good race, Nagorn. Um, I suppose the PWC chase was the big, the big race of the day. Um, easy game, 18 career success, I think it was for him. Third time winning the PWC. I think he's won it four times. He fell, was it two years ago he fell in it? Um, but Envoy Allen was the big disappointer there, mm. I think. Um, he's, he's a horse. I, I, I really thought that he was going to win it now, to be honest. He's got a, I think he's, he had a perfect record first time out coming into the race. Um, but he's just a horse. You, you kind of feel like if things don't fall his way, he just doesn't really want it too much. Um, and that, that kind of seems to be just him. You know, when things go well, he, he's a brilliant horse, obviously. But he, he, he can just throw in the towel a little bit easy, I think, um, you know, if, if, if things aren't going his way. But yeah, that was the of the day in Goran. Um, great day racing there. It is kind of a, a big uh, milestone. You, you know, you're really getting close to, to the real jump season when it's when it's heavy ground in Goran and you've got <laughs> some big name chase that's coming out again. So it's kind of getting exciting here now. Happy days. And also, yeah, speaking of the fixtures this week, anything that stands out for you that you'll be keeping a close eye on? 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to Galway tomorrow now. Um, for our nearly first one for JP McManus, like Gal, uh, like jo- uh, sorry, like Johnny mentioned, sorry. Um, but it's an interesting race. There's a couple of them that are interesting. I think Lucid Dreams is a horse that actually I, I find kind of interesting. And John John Wine has been very bullish about him. Um, his last few wins, he's been saying he thinks he's a Grade One horse. So to see him coming up against Farnelli, it'll be really test those kind of claims. He was very impressive last time in Sligo, absolutely hacked up. Um had beaten Tagman previously to that as well. That form was obviously massively boosted in the stall. So I, I'll be interested to see. I don't think he's going to beat Farnelli or anything like that, but I'll be interested to see how close he can get to him and how well he can run because, um, yeah, John Wine hasn't hasn't been mincing his words about this fella. He, he, he says he thinks he's a very good horse. So he's, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how he runs. I, I actually yeah. don't think Farnelli is, I actually don't think he's that good, to be honest. I think he was brilliantly, brilliantly campaigned last year. He was put into a race at Punchestown that like, it was just, it was a race in which there were so many holes in the opposition that it was as brave as it was, I think it was a really clever thing to do. But um, I do feel Lucid Dreams is a really, really smart horse. Well, definitely one to keep an eye on. 3.35 Galway tomorrow or Tuesday as we're record, recording this. Um, but I think that kind of wraps it up for today's programme. So, Johnny, Emma, thanks a lot for your time. Thanks for your input as always. Thanks also to NoviVet for sponsoring today's episode and also for you for watching as well. Subscribe for more from irishracing.com and also comment below on what you would do if a bookmate, bookmaker ever paid you out more than they were supposed to. Thanks for watching and we'll see you again very soon. 